we will reread Luke 16, verse 29. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. This verse is part of a conversation that takes place between two men that have already died. It's a conversation that takes place after these two have crossed from time into eternity. Abraham and a man that is a rich man. That's how he's described or named. We see in this text that God has provided for humanity a way to prepare for life after death. That provision is the Word of God. And at the time of this account, it was specifically Moses and the prophets. The Word of God speaks sufficiently and effectively to prepare us for eternity. God's Word tells us what we must do in order to get to heaven and to avoid hell. God's Word will prepare us for heaven if, if we will believe it and obey it. God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In this passage, we have the story of two men. The first one is described by Jesus as a certain rich man. His name's not given. The second man in our account is a man named Lazarus. This is a different Lazarus than the brother of Mary and Martha. Most Bible, Bible scholars believe that this account was not a parable, but actual event. And that's because the names are given, the name of Abraham, uh, the name of Lazarus. Uh, it's kind of Jesus to not name the rich man that didn't make it to heaven. But even that certain rich man is an expression that describes a, refers to a historical person is what most Bible scholars believe. So this rich man was clothed in purple and fine linen and fair sumptuously every day. He was a son of Abraham, which means he was a Hebrew. He was an unbeliever, though. He did not believe God. He did not believe his word. He had no room for God in his life. And really, if we... Con Remember that at the core of all sin is unbelief, refusal to believe or trust in God, refusal to worship God as he is and in truth and spirit and in truth. This man had not repented. He knew what it, what was required in order to make it to heaven. In fact, as we look to the account, through the account, we see that he came up with an idea on how his brothers can avoid ending up in a lost eternity. And that was by repenting. 
But obviously he didn't repent. The second man in our account is a poor man named Lazarus. He was a beggar full of sores, we read. And um, he, he was laid at the rich man's estate, at the gate of the rich man's estate. And there he, he desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. The account doesn't indicate that the rich man was unkind to, the, to Lazarus. Likely he allowed him to benefit from the leftovers. Uh, that the rich man enjoyed. But this man Lazarus was in a miserable state, in a miserable condition physically, pining away in hunger and cold and painful disease. He did find, as we see, some comfort, some relief uh, from the stray dogs that came by and licked his open sores. But what's significant about this man named Lazarus is that he was a child of God. He was an heir of heaven. This account teaches us a lot of lessons. It shows us, first of all, that no amount of wealth or blessings or success in this life will exempt us from death, first of all. We all have an appointment with death. And also, it shows us that no amount of success in this life will exempt us from the misery that is to follow if we uh, reject God. It reminds us also that if we are righteous, that does not preclude us from suffering. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, the Bible tells us. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. God is gracious to one of these days, we will be called home. And we will be delivered. Sometimes he heals us physically. Sometimes he tells us, reminds us that his grace is sufficient. This account also teaches the Bible doctrines of eternal heaven and eternal hell. It shows us that God is a loving and merciful God, but also he is a holy and just God. Furthermore, this passage also answers one of the big, one of life's big questions. Is there life after death? Well, this account shows us that yes, indeed there is. Also shows us that it shows us where people go after they die. One of two places, heaven or hell. And verse 22 of Luke 16, where we are this morning, and in verse 23 we read, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. We see that Lazarus died, and instantly he was taken to a place of eternal comfort and rest, perfect rest, in Abraham's bosom. That's actually figurative language that refers to reclining at a banquet, at the Lord's banquet. Actually, there's a, a parallel text in Matthew 8, 11 through 22. Uh, Jesus said these words, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west, speaking of Gentiles. Most of us here are Gentiles, non-Jews. Uh, and shall sit down or recline, could have been the, translated as recline, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom, speaking of the Hebrew people who rejected the Messiah, shall be cast out into outer darkness. 
there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So simply, Abraham's bosom is a phrase that uh, the, the Jews used uh, to describe the paradise of God or the very presence where God dwells. So when a believer dies, he or she goes directly into the presence of Jesus. We remember that with the thief on the cross, the believing thief. He was a thief, but at the end he believed Christ. And we remember that Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, uh, Jesus was about the man, Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man, was about to die. At the same time, the thief was about to die. And Jesus says, Today thou shalt thou be with me in paradise. Paul also in Philippians 1, 23 and 24 says, For I am in a strait between, betwixt two. Where I am hard pressed between two desires. We would say I'm torn between two desires. Paul says, having a desire to depart or to, and to be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is far more needful for you. So when we die, we instantly are into, ushered into the presence of Christ. We see in our text that the rich man was buried. It's noted that specifically. I'm sure Lazarus was also buried. But because of the significance of the rich man, the fact that they, it indicates that he was buried, I'm sure he had a, uh, quite the funeral. You know, and I thought, did his brother stand up at his funeral and say, we will miss our brother, but we're sure thankful he's in a better place. Did the rich man's minister preach him into heaven? I don't know. But what we see in our text is that the rich man also died, but he went directly into a place of punishment and torment. Actually, if you, we know the end of verse 22, it says, the rich man also died and was buried. And then right into verse 23, it says, and in hell he lift up his eyes. In other words, almost like he closed his eyes on earth for the last time and he opened his eyes in, in hell. In a lost eternity. I will say, I, I was, as I was sitting here this morning, there's a time uh, grown up and my, well, different times in my life where I, the, the idea of standing in front of people made me fear and tremble. But today I, I, I fear and tremble not because of you, but because of the Almighty God, most of all. This is a, you, we could say a sobering message, but it's a loving message from a loving God. And we thank God that this is the opportunity where we can preach uh, or testify this kind of a message and we can hear this kind of a message and respond to this message. Because this text shows us that one of these days that door closes. This uh, account clearly uh, disproves the doctrine of annihilation, meaning some try to teach that the human soul is not immortal, but rather it's like animals, and when we die, we simply cease to exist. But we see, as we already noted, that the, the rich man died, and he went to hell, then he uh, lost eternity. Lazarus died, and he was ushered by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And at the resurrection, when Jesus returns, the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
And we which are alive, if we have the privilege and we just sense based on what we see in our world, that that day is coming very quickly. The dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive shall be caught up in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We will never be separated from the Lord once He raptures us. This is the opportunity to prepare for eternity. But those that don't die in Christ will also be resurrected. The soul and the body are resurrected and cast in the place of eternal punishment. This text also invalidates the teaching of soul sleeping. Some teach that uh, there's an intermediate state of unconsciousness between death and resurrection. But we see in, in this account that the rich man was not unconscious. He could see, he could hear, he could talk, he can he could remember, and he also he could feel. We also see in verse 24 that this rich man prayed a prayer, a prayer for mercy, but it was too late. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Now is the day of mercy, the Bible teaches. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Now is the time to pray for mercy, not after we cross into eternity. And Hebrews, I believe, it says uh, that today if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. God in His mercy speaks to us. His Holy Spirit speaks to us of the truth of God's Word. God put into us something that our internal soul recognizes truth. Just like nobody has to tell us what good food tastes like, what good music uh, uh, sounds like, we can recognize it instantly. There's something in the human soul that recognizes truth, the truth, the eternal truth of God's Word. And His Spirit speaks to us and says, Today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. But we see the specific prayer that this man prayed was, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. It's clear that this man understood that his, his state was fixed. He didn't, he didn't ask to be uh, removed from this state. Bail me out of here. I recognize I'm in this condition, but can I just get a, a moment of relief? Perhaps because I, maybe in my li lifetime I did some good deeds. Surely I helped Lazarus. He benefited from, from the crumbs from my table. Can Lazarus just come tip his, tip, and tip his finger in water and just cool my tongue? My tongue's parched. I'm in torment. And Abraham responds, and notice this. He says, Son, remember. Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Son, my child, Abraham says, Remember that in your lifetime you had it all, except God. Proverbs fifteen sixteen says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord 
than great treasures and trouble therewith. Where there's no fear of the Lord, there's trouble. Reverence for God. Holy reverence, respect for who God is. We stand in awe of Him. We're not afraid of Him in the sense of being uh, having this dread. Why? Because we've been saved. We've met Jesus. We've been saved from our sins. We repented and found that perfect peace. And we have fellowship with Christ. We we don't dread God, but we take Him seriously. We take His word seriously. We see in this text that hell is spoken. Some try to say that hell does not exist. It's easier to accept that heaven exists. But we see in this account that hell is an actual place. That's how it's described. And not only just an actual place, it's a place of torment. We see that hell is a place of eternal separation from God. That there's a great goal fixed between paradise and hell. That they that desire to come over one way or another, they can't. There's a great chasm, an uncrossable divide between heaven and hell. Somebody said there are a million ways into hell, but there's no way out. We see in this passage that hell is a place where people pray prayers, but they're not answered. We see that people in hell remember, son, remember, and will have regrets but it'll be too late. And hell people will have a clear memory, we see. Uh, the, the believer, when we're uh, taken to heaven and we pray, everyone here, everyone here this morning looks, uh, you all, all of you look like beautiful people that have met the Savior. And we praise God for that. But in hell, those that end up there will remember every, every refusal Every refusal to believe God, to repent of their sins. We'll re- those will remember that get there. The, uh, every opportunity to pray. Every time they rejected a tract or a, or a tug of the Spirit. Every time uh, they refused to forgive someone. To humble themselves and make peace with God. The rich man said, I pray thee, therefore, Father. He had another prayer. If, if I cannot find relief, I have another idea. Will you please send Lazarus to my family? I have five brothers. And they are also on, the, on their way to lost eternity. Please, if there's a way, send him back from the dead that he will preach a sermon. You know, something about those individuals that end up in hell. In hell, I've heard it said, there are no unbelievers. Once you get there, you're a believer. You have no doubts when a person gets to hell that there's nothing, uh, there's no need for faith. They will be convinced that hell exists and God exists. The rich man could preach a really good sermon, but it was too late. 
And he says, send Lazarus back. Today is our opportunity to evangelize our loved ones. Isn't it? Today is our, our opportunity on this side of eternity to testify. I pray that we all, as we consider this text, have a sense of urgency, a renewed uh, determination to walk the narrow way that leads to life. Instead of the broad way, broad way you can do whatever you want, but leads to destruction. And that this brings us to our text that we began with this morning in verse 29. Abraham says to this rich man, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. They have Moses' writings. They have the writings of the prophets. They have the word of God as it existed at the time, in other words. That's sufficient. If they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they will not believe it when a man comes back from the dead. And it's striking to consider that we do have the privilege of knowing that a man did come back from the dead. We're talking about the man, Christ Jesus, the Son of God that, that died for our sins, uh, God's provision for, for our sins, God's offer to us of eternal life and Christ rose from the dead. If they will not believe Moses and the prophets, they will not believe that a man rose from the dead. So we see this rich man understood what is required to make it to heaven. And that's why he says, send Lazarus because he can convince my brothers to repent. Sin is a willful transgression of God's law. It's rebellion against God, God's law. It's refusing to do what we know is right, knowing that it will separate us from God. Repentance is, so if sin is turning away from God and His Word and His law, repentance by faith is turning back to God and, a, and, a, and a, against or turning our back to sin. And he knew that they needed to repent. Today we're reminded of that same message. Today, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. If you're here this morning um, in an unsafe condition, what will it take to persuade you? The rich man from hell was convinced that if you send Lazarus back, he will persuade them. And Abraham said, no, they will, he, they will not be persuaded. God is calling in his mercy today. He's not willing that any would perish. Abraham says, let them hear them. Moses and the prophets. Well, we live in a more blessed time. It's not uh, just the Old Testament that we have. We live in the New Testament, the new uh, dispensation of grace. We have Jesus. And God in the old times has spoken by the prophets, but in these last days, spoken to us by His Son. We have the privilege to respond to the love of God through Jesus. Let them hear them. God's Word is speaking this morning. He's not willing that any would perish. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever... We all are whosoever. We're all included there. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Jesus is speaking this morning, offering rest and peace, perfect peace. Come unto me, he says, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We have a beautiful opportunity, as we have every service, to pray. Finally, I'll read one more verse in Revelation twenty-two seventeen. The Spirit and the church or the brightest calling this morning. We're urging you by the love of God. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. It's offered freely this morning. You don't have to go to a lost eternity. God made a way through Jesus. This morning, if you are not saved, we urge you, implore you, beg you by the love of God that you will consider your eternal soul and take a moment and, and by faith with humility asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and renounce every other way and turn completely to Jesus and you'll find forgiveness and healing. Let's sing number 488. We'll have a time to pray.